Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. Well, if you can't tell, I'm congested. I'm sick. Yes. And I'm worried about you, friend, because that... (laughs) My friend can't even (laughs) laugh. Did you hear that? But it's not just me. I feel like everybody is sick. Yes. And I understand it, but I also don't understand it. Right. And the thing that is making us all feel very nervous about everybody that's sick is the coronavirus. Yeah, there's pandemonium. Panic about coronavirus, you know, all on my Instagram and Twitter. Y'all are out here wearing nail shop masks, and (laughs) (laughs) it's not right. I haven't said anything. I saw Summer Walker had on gloves, a mask. She's not playing around. I've seen a lot of people that have been using all types of tricks to try and (laughs) keep these germs away. My poor friend. You hear that sad laugh? (laughs) We're going to get through this episode. (laughs) We will. I'm going to try to suppress the cough. I'm Titi. And I'm Zakia. And from Spotify Studios, this is Dope Labs. This episode is all about coronavirus, and we're going to go through everything we know up until this point with the coronavirus expert, Dr. Kizmikia Corbett from the National Institutes of Health, or NIH. Yeah, so let's jump into the recitation. All right, so today we're talking about coronavirus. coronavirus. I know you're seeing those memes and, and tweets. And the tweets and the articles. Yes, news clips. Everything. It's all over the internet. And it can all become really confusing really fast. I saw some pictures and I was like, I'm not sure that these were even taken in 2020. <laughs> the, the people, the way the whole background mm-hmm. looked, I was like, people are just reusing clips, sharing stuff. Doctoring images, yes. putting the World Health Organization logo on it and just sending it out for and everybody. And sharing <laughs> it. And they're sharing it for laughs. But then the next person that shares it doesn't say this was a joke for my friend. Exactly. And we have misinformation everywhere. Exactly. So people are walking around saying all types of stuff that I'm just like... That don't sound right. That's not quite how that works. <laughs> and I've been trying to not be a well actually in everybody's <laughs> mentions, but it feels so tempting. So we know what you guys are saying on the internet and in memes, but we wanted to know what y'all are saying on the street. I feel like the flu is more effective on the demographic based off the fact that there's more deaths from the flu than it is corona as of right now um, until we're able to get more um, scientific facts and see what's going on with it. I can't say too much, but I definitely think the flu is worse. You know, I think we're probably overreacting slightly. I did go on Amazon to see if they had any paper masks on Prime and they're all out, so I think they're all out of yeah, all out on Prime. Do you have any I can borrow? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to the Super Bowl party tonight and they asked me to bring some beer, so I went out yesterday and I bought a couple of six packs and I bought some Corona. And the checkout person said, oh, I'm glad someone's buying Corona. And she said, actually, wow. sales of some Corona think- are going down because, because people think that somehow Corona beer is connected to the coronavirus. 
Are you nervous? Anyway, you travel a lot. I'm not nervous about no. coronavirus. Why? I spent a lot of time in Liberia when the Ebola outbreak was in full swing. And um, so I guess I have a little bit of experience in working in those kinds of situations. And if you're careful um, and... and uh, and stay away from the most intense places, then there's not much danger. But I certainly don't think there's any danger anywhere in the United States or outside of a few places outside of Wuhan. This episode is going to be doubly as good because my friend Zakia, who is holding her chest as she's as she's laughing, stop it, my poor friend, is also an expert in all of these things. So she really understands coronavirus, how it moves and shakes, and everything like that. So we're going to be using her brain to help us get through this episode. I wouldn't say I'm a coronavirus expert, but I love all things micro. All the bacteria and viruses are my friends, and I love to <laughs> learn about them and talk about them. This is the one time I've missed teaching microbiology, mm. okay? This feels like the best time to be in a class, <laughs> in a classroom. So what do we want to know? So we want to know well, what... Let's start with what I want to know. Okay. Because what I want to know is basic. I want to know what is a coronavirus. Mm-hmm. I want to know... Where it came from, right? How did this just come out of what seems like nowhere? Mm -hmm. What do you want to know? I want to know how is it spread. I want to know what's been changing over time, right? And is there a need for panic and worry? Um, What can we do to prevent transmission and spread? Like how much is in our hands? How much can we control? And how much is just set in stone? Mm, I love that. Let's jump into the dissection. To help us out, we called on Dr. Kismikia Corbett. I am Kismikia Corbett. I am a senior research fellow and the scientific lead for the coronavirus vaccine and immunopathogenesis team at the National Institutes of Health, National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases Vaccine Research Center. I am a North Carolinian. I'm Black. I'm a woman and all the things. So... The question that I need answered, Mm -hmm. because, I mean, we know generally how virus moves and shakes because of our um, Protect Your Neck episode that was Lab 4. Right. Um, So I learned a lot from that. But I feel like this is different. And I need to know what exactly coronavirus is. Coronaviruses are a large family of viruses, actually. Generally speaking, coronaviruses infect bats, um, civet cats, etc., All right. Did you hear that? Because I've seen your memes with Corona beers and that's not the link. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) we asked Dr. Corbett to explain why it's called a coronavirus. And she told us it has to do with the physical properties of the virus. The thing to remember is that the word Corona is Latin for crown. I like my Coronas with a line. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) the surface of the virus actually looks like the crown that a queen would wear. Right. So think about the inside of the virus being a queen's head, and then the surface of the virus being like the crown. And actually, that crown is made up of some proteins that are called spike proteins. They just are spiking up off of the surface of the virus. And so basically, you have this ball with a crown of spikes around it. And that's what the virus looks like. Just building on that uh, model of a ball with a crown, That ball contains the genetic information to make more virus when it enters a host cell. And that ball is also coated in proteins that create kind of an envelope around it. And then some of those proteins stick up, and those are the spike proteins that give the coronavirus its name, which Dr. Corbett just described. Okay, so we know that 
coronavirus is found in bats and civet cats. Mm-hmm. Um, but are there any types of coronavirus that are infectious to humans? Yeah, there actually are. So two of them you've probably heard of. MERS, which is short for mm. Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome. And so we had a big uh, MERS outbreak in 2012. Right. And then SARS, which is Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. Right. I remember that in 2003. Yes, that's right. There are also a couple other coronaviruses that are less well known. Um, And sometimes when people say, oh, I had the flu or I felt I had this respiratory infection or I felt bad. Sometimes people have actually been infected by some of those other coronaviruses. So the coronavirus isn't new to humans. They're a respiratory virus family that we've known about. But this particular virus is new. Wow, that is crazy. So a lot of us might have had one of the other coronaviruses before, but not this one. This one is new. So scientists are now naming it. That's right. The coronavirus that's all over the news right now is called the 2019 N-coronavirus. And that N stands for novel or new. So what that means is that it is new to humans. And it is new to the phylogenetic tree. Scientists use the phylogenetic tree to understand relationships. So they may ask, is this virus more or less closely related to another virus um, based on similarity? The symptoms of the 2019 novel coronavirus are cough, fever, shortness of breath. And some patients have even reported having nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. And in some cases, symptoms progress to bronchitis or pneumonia. And now that we understand some of the basics about the coronavirus, let's look at what's happening right now. Where did this particular coronavirus come from? So there are, you know, hundreds of species of coronaviruses that dwell in animal reservoirs. Animal reservoirs are animal sources where the virus might be found. So for the swine flu, the animal reservoir was pigs. For bird flu, it was birds. So even though the virus is new to humans, it had to have a host before And scientists have been working to figure out where the new coronavirus was before it showed up in humans. It probably, for however many years, I mean, upwards of hundreds, has been circulating in, I think they've now named the reservoir, to solidly be the bat. Um, So it's probably been circulating in bats. Okay, so if a virus exists in bats, how does it get to humans? That's a good question, right? So the first thing you might ask is, What's the genetics of it? Like, how is that even possible? Yeah. And it's possible that, you know, we haven't encountered it before. We aren't that different from bats. That's the thing to remember. We're both vertebrates and mammals, you know? So there's genetic similarity between humans and bats. And our host cells might be similar to bats. So we may have the same receptor door. You know, if you think about, like we described it before, as a virus knocking on the door trying to get in, Mm -hmm. we might have that same door that that coronavirus uses that was on bat cells. We might have that same receptor door on our cells. One of those things that is similar enough between us and bats in this in this particular case is the receptor for the virus. So the molecule on cells that this virus binds to is enough similar between bats and humans that with some slight modifications and evolution, which is what viruses do, they evolve, it could become more and more infectious to a human. So thinking about that, right, the first documented case of 2019 in coronavirus was reported in Wuhan, China, at an open marketplace. And there are a variety of ways that it could have infected people there. 
The second thing is how do you get a bat and a human physically close enough to transfer the virus? You know, you can pick up bat poop in a cave and sequence tons of coronaviruses. I mean, so I mean, it could have just been, you know, they're in a, in a, in a sea, open seafood market. You know, bats fly in there at night, um, handle their, you know, business. I think Dr. Corbett hit a really good point. You don't have to go into a cave to come in contact with a bat. Yeah. You know, as our population grows and we're expanding into different spaces, what used to be wildlife area is now your backyard. Right. I see fox running through my front yard almost every morning. Really? Yeah. I don't see anything but my neighbor's dog. (laughs) (laughs) Wildlife. What we do know is that you can find coronavirus in bat poop. Okay. Right? I don't even know what bat poop looks like. Do you? No. It could be on the table and I would pick it up. Mm-hmm. Me too. Because I wouldn't know what it was. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to say I would pick it up, but you know. I mean, you don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. You have no idea. It could be. It could look like eraser shavings. You're like, okay, I'm just going to brush this off. So now you got viral particles on your hand. And if you're mm-hmm. working in an open air market, you could be... So this is something where it could be on the food, right? Mm-hmm. Or where mm-hmm. you could be shaking hands with somebody mm-hmm. or you can mm-hmm. cover your mouth to cough or... Mm-hmm. I mean, anything, right? Mm-hmm. Where this could be shared or mm-hmm. spread around. Or touch a doorknob or, mm-hmm. or touch something that a lot of people touch. You get on the bus. Yeah. You sit down in a bus seat. You touch the seat. You touch the handles. Yeah. That's that's so important. So if you work in a market, you have multiple opportunities to contact with tons of people. Mm-hmm. And then those people are contacting other people. And, mm-hmm. and, and right now, we don't know a lot about how the transmission works. Right. And I think a good point that you made was that as our population grows and we have less space for the wildlife, so their habitats are getting smaller because we're encroaching on their space, mm-hmm. the the rate that we are going to be coming in contact with animal and uh, like parts of their lives, right. whether it be their feces or whatever, is going to increase. That's right. That's right. It's so true. And I think the other thing is even as the rate increases, it's important to note that not all animal viruses can adapt to humans. And even if a virus does make it to a human, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to become a global health emergency like this novel coronavirus has. These bats, for example, or whatever animal is their reservoir, carries the virus, and maybe a human does come in contact with it. And maybe a human does get infected with it. But we're not we're not the natural hosts for these viruses. They're They're really not made for humans. So... The virus doesn't hasn't built up the capability to replicate efficiently and transmit from human to human efficiently. And that is the key thing to remember is that viruses can evolve. So that virus at first brushes up against a human and that immune system has not seen this before. So it doesn't even really know what to do. But then also the virus itself doesn't know what to do. It doesn't have the tools it needs in order to infect and get into that wholesale and get into the kitchen and start cooking. Yes. And so that one isn't able to replicate, right? That one maybe doesn't infect a human. But let's continue on in time, right? And so as the virus continues to exist in this animal reservoir, which we say is a bat now, mm-hmm. remember we have similarity to bats. So now your virus is robust, right? It's like, <laughs> hey, I've been, I gotta, lifting. <laughs> I've been lifting weights. I've been pumping iron. So now it interacts with a human in Wuhan. And it's like, yo, I got a Swiss Army knife. I'm ready. I know exactly how to pick this lock. This same key that I used in bats, I'm going to try it right over here. Skeleton key. Skeleton key. Turns out we got the same lock, right? <laughs> and now it opens I'll the door. I let myself in. I let my... That's right. <laughs> I love my friend. I let myself in. And now it's using your cast iron skillet. 
Okay. And it's cooking up more virus. Mm-hmm. It's just cooking up more virus. And so now you have virus that's replicating in humans. So it's adapted. Right. And this particular coronavirus has adapted to be able to to not only go from animal to human, but now to transmit from human to human pretty efficiently. There are now over 17,000 confirmed cases and over 350 deaths. And that number is just going to continue to rise. It's wild. It is. And because this has spread to over two dozen countries, the World Health Organization has declared the 2019 coronavirus a global health emergency. When we come back, we'll talk about how the virus is spread, what scientists like Dr. Corbett are doing to stop it, and what you should do in the coming weeks. And we're back. Let's talk about how coronavirus spreads. Infected people can share the virus by coughing, sneezing, or touching others. Diligence behind what you're doing in your everyday life can prevent a lot of infections. You know, coughing into your sleeve and not your hand, washing your hands, etc. We all know that people aren't great about keeping their germs to themselves. Yes. So how worried should we be about contracting coronavirus? You shouldn't be alarmed by now there's human-to-human transmission in the United States. Like, that's what viruses do. A recent case of novel coronavirus in Washington state found that the virus is not only in the lung and lung excretions. So, so coughing and sneezing. Yes, but it was also found in this individual's fecal matter. That's poop. This is another reason why hand washing is so important. This is how stomach viruses are transmitted. Yeah, people don't think about that fecal-to-oral route. Right. Mm. Nasty. The virus is doing what it set out to do. Last time I checked, I believe the case fatality rate was around still around 2 or 3%, right? So the case fatality rate is fairly low. More often than not, the people that succumb to coronavirus infections have prior ailments or are elderly. 2 to 3% means... Two to three people per 100, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. So when you think about this, just for some context, MERS killed about 30% of the people it infected. SARS kills about 10%. And that's not necessarily beneficial from an evolutionary standpoint for a virus. Like, you don't want to kill your host. These viruses are setting up shop in your body rent-free. They need you and your host cells so that they could keep replicating and existing. And so what we're talking about now is two to three. So the fatality rate for this coronavirus is much lower than the other two we've seen. Right. Thinking about their existence, let's talk about their eradication. This gets us right to Dr. Corbett's work. She and her team are working on a coronavirus vaccine. And this isn't as easy as you might think. You can't just say make a vaccine. It's not trivial to create immunity to that. Right. You have to do some things, some designing, protein engineering, manipulation, platform delivery. One of the most important steps to infection is viral attachment. That knocking on the host cell's door is done when a viral protein attaches to or binds to a receptor on a human cell. We study, you know, particular amino acid sites on proteins and you know, study how various mutations and viral proteins affect whether it be like 
immunogenicity or expression in cell culture. Dr. Corbett is talking about a couple of things here. You want to understand what site on a protein is important for attaching to a host cell. And then you also need to understand which receptor on your host cell is important. So, for example, a lung cell has over a thousand different surface proteins. Oh, my gosh. So somebody's got to figure out which one this newly discovered virus binds to. And Dr. Corbett is optimistic that a vaccine will be in clinical trials soon. And the reason why the research is actually moving so fast is because people have been studying these, including myself, for some time. You know, we study B cells. We study T cells here. I don't particularly, but we do have a T cell um, expert in our lab. You know, we study antibodies on the mono level. So like one antibody, we will study it for how well it binds to a thing. How well does it kill a virus? How well does it do this? What other mechanisms does it have? All of these questions are in the backdrop of this vaccine design. But until the vaccine comes out, what should we do from a public health perspective? Be aware, but don't panic. You know, people are like, oh, should I get on a plane? What if somebody came in from China? First of all, the CDC is screening heavily, and they are the best in the world at what they do. The Centers for Disease Control, the United States Centers for Disease Control is amazing with diagnostics and prevention and screening. And so still get on planes, still hang out with your friends, If, for example, this thing turns out to spread across the country, I have no idea what it's going to do. But if it does turn out to spread across the country, wash your hands and sneeze into your arm, go to work, come home and go to sleep. And then when our vaccine comes out, take it. The end. I think that was pretty clear advice. We went into this trying to figure out what a coronavirus is, where its name came from and where it came from. Mm -hmm. And I think we've done those things. How it spreads, you know, we have one route, that's lung secretions. Mm -hmm, Coughing, sneezing. And we have another potential route. Oral, fecal. And then I think the next thing is how worried we should be about this. I think it's important to have some context. Absolutely. You know, a lot of this early reporting Mm -hmm. about, you know, transmission, so how many people can be infected from one case, that is transmission under a certain set of conditions, right? Mm -hmm. That's transmission when nobody knows that coronavirus is a thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's transmission where you might have a different type of infrastructure. You have to remember this was an open, wet market. So you're talking about open tanks and buckets with fish. Viral matter, you know, or fecal matter from bats in something that's in water splashing around everywhere. That's very different. Anything can happen. Anything could happen. There are a lot of variables that are important to determining the transmission rate. Right. And And we can't just neglect all those things and say, oh, all Asian people have coronavirus. That's racist. It's racist and it's ridiculous scientifically, right? Um, What we know is in this space and time where we are right now, global trade and global travel Mm -hmm. is real, Mm -hmm. right? So yes, this was identified in Wuhan, Mm -hmm. but that's it, right? It was identified in Wuhan and everybody that's in Wuhan wasn't necessarily Chinese, Mm-hmm. And everybody that has coronavirus isn't necessarily Chinese. Exactly. And it's just it's just so unfortunate because of the way that these viruses are named. They take the name of the place where it was first um, discovered. And so then you get this negative stigma associated with that place. And it's not really fair, I don't think. 
And what we also know is that, you know, people are drawing back and making faces when someone is sneezing or coughing. Yeah, sure. But also the incubation period before you start showing symptoms is 2 to 14 days. That means if you have a long incubation period, it takes a while before you can catch this stuff, right? And so that's part of why we see this really big uh, increase in the number of cases mm-hmm. because you can be asymptomatic for a long time. Right. So just like Dr. Corbett said, there are things that we can do to help eradicate this disease from our communities. And that is doing the right hygienic things in order to make sure that the virus isn't spreading. If the virus can't spread and attach to another host cell in you, then it ain't got a choice but to go away. I think another thing, just in thinking about hygiene, I don't even want to get into the mask, okay? (laughs) Leave the mask to the public health workers. I see y'all, you're wearing your mask inside out. (laughs) I'm like, you've turned it the wrong way. They don't even have the right type of grade mask to keep out something of that A viral particle is so small, yeah. You have to go and research those things, You need to read... (laughs) <laughs> we My friend is fed up. We need to read. <laughs> but I think the thing here is to understand distance that viral particles can travel. So if we're talking about coughing and sneezing and what's the travel distance um, for the Wuhan virus, it can only travel about six feet from an infected person. Mm. Okay. Now, we don't know much about it being able to exist on surface, how long that lasts. But just for perspective... You're worried about the coronavirus, but measles, on the other hand, can travel up to 100 feet and it can stay alive for hours on the surface. Oh, my gosh. So I'm just going to drop that there. And so I think, you know, those are kind of the things that you need to think about. Don't sleep on coughing into your sleeve. Like some people are thinking that, oh, the virus will travel through your sleeve. Like it matters. Like if you put it on your hand, we touch everything with our fingers. Like Mm -hmm. if you put it in your, in the, in the. What do you touch your inner? Uh, the crook of your arm, you're not touching things with that. Yes. And all those little things make a big difference. It's so true. I think I've learned a lot about this. The coronavirus and how it's spreading has been a a really good exercise for me in critical reading, mm-hmm. right? And yep. what I see in inspecting the memes that I that people are sharing mm-hmm. that I make sure I don't then share. Exactly. Also, it's a great exercise in public health, like what people understand, what they know and don't know. And it helps us see some of the outages. Mm -hmm. You know, I think for me, this was a great eye opener. And I'm like, oh, I need to do a lot more science outreach to my own people. Exactly. To my own folks. Yeah. It'd be your own people. That's it for Lab 23. Don't forget to check out our website for our cheat sheet on today's episode and our show notes because we are dropping all the links to everything you need to read on dopelabspodcast.com. We had to talk about coronavirus because it is everywhere, but it's also Black History Month. Yes, and for our semester finale, which is in two weeks, yes, very exciting, we want to highlight all of the Black people in STEM all over the world. So if you are Black in STEM or you know somebody that's Black in STEM, tell them to go to dopelabspodcast.com slash STEM to look for information on how they can be a part of our semester finale. Yes, I can't wait to hear from y'all. Also, we love hearing from you. What do you think about today's lab? What are your ideas for future labs? Our number is 202-567-7028. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast. 
Titi is on Twitter at dr underscore tsho, and you can find Zakia at z said so. Follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Kizmikia Corbett. We have links so you can learn more about her previous work and current work in our show notes. This episode of Dope Labs is produced by Jenny Radelet-Mast of Wave Runner Studios and Elizabeth Nakano. Mixing and sound design by Hannes Brown. Original theme music is by Taka Yasuzawa and Alex Sugiura, with additional music by Elijah LX Harvey. Dope Labs is a production of Spotify Studios and Mega Own Media Group, and it's executive produced by us. Titi Shadia and Zakia Watley. Wrong. This was supposed to be... Yeah, down below. Down here. When you said wrong, I got so nervous. I was like, you doing it wrong. No, I said it. I was talking to myself. I was like, that's not right. But it was so mean. (laughs) You wouldn't talk to me like that. I would not. I would never. So don't talk to you like that. Okay. Okay. I'll try my best.